0: break next week and we are not going to talk about revelation next week we're going to talk about the resurrection so we'll we'll take a pause on our study in revelation uh, on next sunday as we talk about the resurrection of jesus christ so let me discuss uh, three things by the way while i'm behind the screen i'll be i'll have my mask down just to protect you guys but if i get carried away and start walking around i'll put it back on Um, three things that we learned last week that I want to review with you and just make sure you're clear on. Number one, we just discussed this. The devil is our evil accuser, according to Revelation 12, 9. And what that means is, is that the devil, the devil accuses us before the father. and And he accuses us he tries to get us to feel guilty about ourselves. You notice how you're usually the last person that will forgive. You're, you usually forgive yourself last. Sometimes, Sometimes when you have a conflict with someone, you'll forgive them. They'll forgive you, but you won't forgive yourself. Sometimes that's the devil just trying to keep us in a guilt trap. Trying to keep us guilty trying to keep us overwhelmed or overburdened or or depressed or suppressed or oppressed. That's a trick of the enemy to try to keep us thinking that we are not as good as God says we are. Or the devil will try to get us to think something about ourselves that the Lord doesn't think about us. That's a trick of the enemy to captivate us, to keep us in a sense of emotional, emotional, Mental or spiritual bondage. Are you all paying attention? Are you getting this? And that's what the accuser of the brethren is. What he tried to do to Job way back in the book of Job was to accuse Job and make Job feel like all these bad things that were happening to him was because of unconfessed sin in his life. But that is not always the case. A lot of times what is going on is that we have asked God for forgiveness for a fault, a sin, a transgression, and God has forgiven us because he promises in his word in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The guilt will be lingering because the devil is an accuser of the brethren and he keeps us feeling bad and guilty and depressed and and less than worthy well after God has forgiven us, and elevated us, and restored us. He is an accuser of the brethren, and the Bible says that he accuses us before the Father day and night, blaming us, accusing us, challenging us, trying to undermine what God has done in our lives. Don't believe the lie. He is a liar and the father of lies. Amen. He started lying in Genesis chapter 3 and didn't stop. (laughs) Here's something else that we learned last week. We learned according to Revelation 12, 9 through 12, especially verse 12, 11 rather, that we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. Let me tell you what that means really quickly. When you testify, when you speak well of the Lord, by the way, do you know what the word eulogize means? When you go to a homegoing or a funeral, you hear they'll say a eulogy. Eulogy means to speak well of. And tip in particular, in that case, you're speaking well of the deceased. But eulogize is, is another way of saying speaking well of or honoring. When we speak well of the Lord, a testimony is a way of speaking well of the Lord. We talk about what he has done for us. Not always, and listen to this, this is why I want to emphasize this and not just blow by this. Testimony is not always a testimony to somebody else. Listen, listen. A testimony is also a testimony or a word to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our ears, sometimes our ears need to hear our mouth say, God has forgiven me and God is good and God is okay with me and I am a child of the king, and I am a friend of God. Sometimes your ears need to hear your self-declaration that God has brought me out and brought me to a better place. I'm not in the muck and the mire. I'm not in the pit. I'm not in a state of oppression and depression and suppression by the enemy. I am not going to be the tail. I am not going to be defeated. I am not going to be destroyed or ripped of my joy. The devil will sometimes, listen, God will forgive us of our faults, our shortcomings, and our sins. Listen, listen, but sometimes the devil will rob us of our joy. He'll take away our joy, our peace, our confidence that we need to keep going day by day. He'll rob us of our joy. He'll rob us of our confidence. He'll rob us of our peace of mind. Amen? Finally, we learned last week that the devil knows that his time is short. Let me read the latter part of verse 12 of Revelation 12. It says, having great wrath, knowing that he, who is he, the devil. It says, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. I'm reading the latter part of verse 12 of Revelation 12. The Bible says, knowing that he has only a short time. So listen, if the devil knows that his time is short, then we need to know that his time is short. Amen? amen. And by extension, that means if his time is short, that means the Lord's time is soon to come. And that means that we are soon to inherit our reward. And I don't think Christians, listen, I don't think Christians in the 21st century, in 2022, 2021, next year, if the Lord should tarry, I don't think that we think enough about our reward, about heaven, about what God's big picture is. I know we struggle with the day-to-day, making ends meet, paying bills, dealing with people, dealing with neighbors, dealing with coworkers dealing with supervisors, dealing with kids, dealing with spouses, dealing with parents. I know, I I understand that we're all in this. But I think so often the devil wants to keep us micro-focused and just completely distracted on things that will rob us from God's joy, from God's best. I know we have to work. I know we have to pay bills. I know we have to deal with loud, rowdy neighbors. I know the car is always breaking down at the wrong time. I know there's never enough money. They we never get enough hours. There's always more bills than there seem to be income. But here's what I'm wanting to tell you this morning to encourage you. God knew it before you did. God saw where you are today. He saw where you are right now. And he has made a way already. In some cases, he has made a way out of no way. And you say, Pastor Will, how can you say that? How do you know that? I'll tell you how I know it. Because you're here now. Whether you're there on screen, at home, somewhere else in another part of the country, or in the sanctuary. God has brought you through something else that allowed you to be here today. That's the evidence. He's already delivered you. He's already brought you through stuff. He's already moved mountains in your lives. He's already done miracles, some of which we didn't even recognize as miracles. We thought it was luck. We thought it was chance. We thought it was a perhaps it would happen type thing. But God knows what he's doing. I, I just want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged. I was planning on just having a really quiet lesson, just teaching you guys some things about the adversary and just explaining 2 Corinthians 2.11. And here I am sweating already. And I'm, I'm over halfway done with my message, but I'm still inspired and encouraged to inform you of the position you have in Christ Jesus. You are victorious. Yeah. And I don't mean to purposely sound like Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton, but you are somebody. <laughs> and you ain't somebody because of your race or, or creed or gender or your position in life. You are somebody because God made you. Hallelujah. God made you. He formed you in his image. He made you into his likeness. He brought you forth from your mother's womb and he loved you and saved you before you did one thing wrong or one thing right. Wow. Hmm. It wasn't the path that I had planned to take, but the Lord knows best. And I want you to know that life is short. And we should not spend a lot of time mumbling and grumbling and arguing and complaining and being divisive and being contentious over stuff that has no eternal value. Time is short. James said it best in James 4.14. You do not know what tomorrow is going to be like. He said your life is like a vapor. It appears for a moment and poof, it's gone. It's very short. I know, because at 67, I really I can think of some times when I was probably 12 or 13 playing football against Bobby Beecham's team right up in Edgewood Park in Akron, Ohio. Perkins Park. just beating them down. I remember that very clearly. Wow. Well, maybe not that clearly, but <laughs> But I just re- I remember. I remember stuff clearly from 55 years ago. I remember where I was when JFK was assassinated. I remember where I was when MLK was assassinated. I remember where I was when me and Reds over there accepted the Lord Jesus Christ at Thornton Junior High School Auditorium at a citywide crusade. I remember that. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something by saying that. It seems like that was yesterday. And some of that was 55 years ago. But you know what? That just means the Lord is that much closer to coming. Because if the saints back then were saying to us, you kids, you better straighten up and live right, because the Lord is coming soon. And the time is short. I I can see my Aunt Sal shaking her finger at me. You better live right, boy. You better get right, kids. I hear the saints singing the song, Get Right Church and Let's Go Home. Y'all remember that song? (laughs) Get Right Church and Let's Go Well, they've been singing that for 100 years, and the Lord hasn't come yet. But that just means he's just 100 years closer to coming. I just want to encourage you as I close. I want to encourage you. I didn't get to my PowerPoint presentation. I had put the... I spent like 11, 12 hours this week putting together about about 10 slides on the second coming and on the Lord's return. I just don't feel led to share it with you now. I'm on a different vibe right now. I don't feel like it would be pertinent for this Sunday. I feel like what you need to know this Sunday is just what I've shared with you, that you are victorious in Jesus and you you are, you are blessed because God said it. He said, those of you that read, back in Revelation 1, 3, he said, those of you that read the words of this prophecy, you are blessed. That's right, I'm not making this up. Blessed is he who reads the words and hear the words of this prophecy. I'm reading Revelation 1, 3, in the King James Version, Rosie. And, and heed the things <laughs> which are written in it, for the time is near. That's the thing, that's the key, the time is near. If you don't take anything else away from this sermon, please take away this. It's not the Monday morning moment, I'm coming up on that actually as Lisa's song, that's my Monday morning moment, We Shall Behold Him, and I love that song, and I've used that as the Monday morning moment is we shall behold him, we shall see him as he is, 1 John 3, 1 John 3. But let me just say this as I close. John said in Revelation 1:3, said, Blessed is he who reads the, and hears the words of this prophecy. And what I've been saying to you guys from day one is that my purpose for doing this series in Revelation was not to scare you and, and worry you with end times destruction and, and, and the, the tribulation period and the mark of the beast, all of which I plan on talking about. 666 desolation of the abomination of desolation or desecration, the, uh, the two witnesses, the battle of Armageddon, the millennial kingdom, the second coming of Christ, the beast, the false prophet, and the antichrist, the unholy trinity. I was going to discuss all those things today at some level, but I feel like what's the most important thing, and I want to go back to my purpose for starting this series in Revelation, is that you will enjoy the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation is a book for the saints to enjoy. It's a book of celebration for the saints. It's a book of rewards. It's a book of victory. It's a book of worship. And if you read through it, you'll see at all times the angels, the elders, they are worshiping God. The the, the saints are worshiping God. It's, a, it's about giving God glory. This book is not for us to be crying about. It's not for us to be wringing our hands and, and worrying about you know science fiction movies about the end of the world. It's not what it's about. It is about rejoicing. It's about restoration. It is about God getting his due recompense for those that would reject him and rebel against him. It's about victory. And every day of our lives should be the same little microcosm. Today Lord, today I will be victorious in you. Today I will live for you. Today I will rejoice that you have kept me alive and saved. Today I will be thankful for what blessings I have. However meager my funds are, however meager my food is, however mean my boss is, however worrisome my coworkers are, I will rejoice today and be thankful. I'm gonna just quit. We shall behold him, we shall see him as he is. When you get a chance, in addition to what Rod asked you to read about the Palm Sunday, I want you to read 1 John 3, one through three, where it talks about, we shall behold him, we shall see him as he is, and we shall be changed. God's going to change us, and we're going to be changed according to the word of God in 1 Thessalonians in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to be changed. Keep living saved. I don't care how much struggle you go through. I don't care how tough it gets. Keep living saved. Keep trying to be holy every day. Every time you fall, get back up. Every time you sin and transgress, say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, restore me. Lord, keep me. Lord help me, you fast, you pray, you spend time in your word, you set aside time to specifically give God five minutes a day, minimally, and just start there and watch that time grow exponentially. You start giving the Lord time in prayer and time and just laying before him and just meditating, turning off all the distractions, silencing your phone, and just saying, Lord, I'm gonna give you five unadulterated minutes. And I guarantee you, if you start there, I promise you, it will get to a point where you don't know how you got to an hour or two hours. It will grow because your hunger and your thirst and your desire for him will grow with the time you spend with him. There will be a direct relationship, a direct relationship of direct relationship of how you spend time with him, your love and affection for him will grow in proportion to the time you spend with him. We Christians, you can always define them and always dis- determine them because we Christians will be Christians that will give God token time, token times of day, little bit of attention and virtually no in-depth love and, and relationship. Very superficial. Christians that are strong and growing and are maturing are Christians that are defined by time with him, by worship, by prayer, by fasting, by studying his word. It will soften us. It will make us likable and lovable. It'll make us effective and a great witness. It will increase the efficacy of our testimony. It will change how the world sees us, how our friends see us, how our family sees us. It will give us a new light. There'll be a radiance about us. There'll be a glory about us. There will be a shine about us. There will be a power and anointing about us because we, have, we will look as though and act as though and talk as though we have been spending time with the Lord. Boy, oh boy. I'll, I'll. I, I want you to go back and listen to the tape on that this week. Check it out on James122.org. Or, or you can listen to it on Facebook or on Twitter or, or on our Instagram account. I want you to go back and listen to the last five minutes. Because I don't think there's anything more important than I've said all morning than that. Uh, and, and I can back that up with 2 Corinthians 3.18, which talks about we, that as we look upon him, we are changed. We are transformed as we look upon him. And the Bible says in that same passage, from glory to glory. What a mighty God we serve. We just hang around him and we're changed. Moses was just up on the mountain and he came down. He didn't even do that. He wasn't up there praying or fasting. I was like, well, he might have been fasting because he didn't probably need to eat in the presence of the Lord. He came down glowing just by contact. <laughs> he wasn't up there having a revival or a prayer meeting. Just by exposure. He came back shining like the sun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Lord, help us to spend more time with you. Help us to be more like you in our speech and our thoughts and our walk. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.